I guess we're live. Uh, hey, everybody. Right now? Welcome. Right now. Fuck. Oh, man. Already dropping F-bombs here. I know, he, was, he, was, he was rolling, and then you were just like, come on, man. <laughs> Anyways, everybody. Hey, welcome back. We had a week off. College Football Uncensored Podcast brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck. With me, as always, my co-host, partner in crime, Chris Marler, who had a fantastic trip to New Orleans this weekend. Which you don't know that. Into. Seemed like you did. I mean, you came back all giddy. Don't Seems start. like you and the GF are locked in. Love it. Not doing this with you right now. But yes, all <laughs> those things are true. It was a fantastic trip. Um, Dan, we went to so we went to Antoine's, which ended up being a very disappointing experience, which sucks. I've been there a, a, several times. And it's been great. We went yeah. to a place called the Drinkery. Yeah, and it might you know it might have been all the drinks that I had put in me like in my body. Um, I'll tell you what, you get me in front of some live music and yeah. and somebody that takes ten dollars per request for Skinnerd songs and doesn't know all the words, I'm, it's a great night for me. It was awesome. <laughs> He's saying, I requested Call Me the Breeze, and he played it and didn't know didn't know <laughs> the words. So he just kept going over and over, I don't carry me no load, like for fucking two straight minutes. Just kept you, going and kept you, going. I mean, you should have said this one's for uh, Adam Duvall. It's Adam Duvall's uh, batting song for the Braves. Um, no, Drinkery's a good spot. I've uh, been there a few times. As a matter of fact, I think the original is in Houston. Um, no. so shout out, uh, Midtown Houston, uh, used to go there. I want to say it might even be owned by former bachelor contestant. So you got that going for Didn't you know too. that. Yeah. So yeah. W- which is nice, but, uh, no, uh, drinks, uh, live music in new Orleans. That doesn't really sound like it. So it seems like you got it on a good weekend. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a really good time. We've done another Baton voice Rouge you guys first. hear, by the way, we didn't even introduce our guest producer. Yeah, yeah. Welcome right, back everyone. to the show. Arnie Palmy alert. Arnie Palmy alert. My name, my wife's name is Christina. You get it right. <laughs> my name. <laughs> so we uh, you come back here and you sleep with my wife. <laughs> yeah, we had a uh, group chat that did that for way too long uh, one day last week. Uh, we're just going back never, and forth. It's never too long talking to the other guys, ever. Aim for the bushes. I mean, it's one of the greatest lines ever. I love, I love that that movie. Um, so we're doing things a little different. If you are watching on YouTube, which there have been p- people popping in, um, we're trying to stream this thing live straight to our YouTube channel. So if you're listening to this after the fact, after we get done tossing our knowledge out there, throwing the audio over to producer Dan, he does his magic, makes us sound better and smarter, puts it out into the interweb so you guys can listen to it on podcast form. But if you're only listening on podcast form, you need to go to our YouTube channel, Saturday Down mm-hmm. South, we will be live streaming these, hopefully at the same time every week. We'll work on that. But in There's the meantime, no way that happens. Absolutely not. <laughs> in the meantime, we will be uh, putting it out on Twitter. Uh, eventually, we'll be throwing this stream out to our lovely Facebook group, Twitter. Uh, maybe we'll even start a Twitch. What do you think about that, Chris? I have several Twitches, but my doctor says it's not. It's nothing to be worried about. Okay. All right. That's not what I was talking about. It's it's actual oh. actual platform. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Um. So, anyway, we, we might even have a dad joke counter at the bottom of the screen too. You know, but you know. Oh, look at this! I got to show you guys this. We had a we got our first uh, comment here. As a Florida fan, I feel bad for Huck. He's definitely the most handsome host, though. I agree. There's no fucking way that's real. This is if this is Liz. I'm gonna be pretty upset. <laughs> no, that's uh, I, I don't I don't think they're wrong. 
yeah, a Florida no, fan it's... dapping up an FSU fan. I yeah, know. I mean, everybody feels bad for me because my team sucks at everything. We we lost to Auburn like twenty-one to six this weekend. And in, in you know, Auburn scored fifty-one runs in three games. <laughs> they were swinging it a lot. Yeah, they're swinging the stick a little bit. Um, but did Bama make the postseason? Shut up. No, okay. I, I, honestly, here's the thing. Like, I've never been a fan of Bama baseball since like ever since they stopped sending me recruiting letters by senior year. So like, W Keller. I just, I mean, it, it's just kind of like it for me. It's kind of a, it feels kind of weird. Like I'll watch them, but like it feels weird almost in the same way it would feel weird if I was wearing like a jersey with somebody else's name on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like you're taking right. shots here. I mean, what, what, what are we doing? You know? No, I'm just, I, not at all. I'm just saying like I wasn't good enough to play there. Um, okay. In hindsight, it was a very smart move by the coaching staff because I was not good enough to play there. But I mean, yeah, that's the one sport I won't, I won't really get invested into. Women's volleyball, all in. Let's fucking do this. Oh man! All right, so let's. We got a bunch of different topics. We were off last yeah. week because because Chris was on vacation. It was a it was a nice little break before we get because we're guys. We're getting into the the thick of it here in about a month. We will start. Preseason magazines are out. You? How many do you have so far? Lindy's. What's up? I only found the one, so I only have one. Lindy's. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it honestly, I will say this. It seems like it was written by a Bama fan. <laughs> it is like I was reading it. I was like, oh, like the first time I was like kind of like skimming through like the Bama part and like the rankings. I was like, oh, this is fucking great. Like, I, I mean, this is getting me amped up. And then I like reread it. And I was like, fuck, did I write this? Because this looks <laughs> like it's it's a lot of internal thoughts that I've had. And another thing. Have you all been like, to Tuscaloosa? It's right? the best it city was, in the world. <laughs> I've never said that. Um, no, but it, it was like, it, I, what some of the stuff they said seemed like tweets that I've fired off at, you know, at some point in time. I'll just say that. You're the muse. Maybe they stole your content like that <laughs> dude it. from uh, Fox. I'm not going to get into that. Lindy's already stole a whole piece of uh, content for me from like in 2013. We're not going to get into it. We're in a happy okay. mood right now. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. People let's don't look. forget. Let's keep it on. Let's keep, let's keep it good. Well, you might think, hey, you know, we're we're kind of past spring ball. We're we're not yet to fall ball. There's not much going on, but that's that's not true. There's a lot going on in the world of college football. I think we want to start with uh, the yeah, no shit uh, moments of the week here. Ryan Day coming out and saying, yeah, I think we need about thirteen million dollars annually to be able to compete. My question to you guys, why is that number so low? Because I guarantee you it's much more than that. You go first, Dan. <laughs> I, yeah, so we talked about this on uh, on uh, another show, Chuck Oliver's show. Um, I think that Ryan Day is probably one of the better coaches in terms of dealing with what the realities are of the game and not you know worrying about the way it should be or the way you hope it would be. I mean, remember when Kevin Warren shut him down the mm -hmm. next day, he was like, all right, well, let's get ready for a spring season. If that's what we got to do, then that's what we got to do. And then, you know, went from there. Uh, you also had, I mean, Harry Miller, you know, to get a little bit more serious about it, a player who legit tried to commit suicide. And he was like, Hey, step away from the field. Like that's, you, yeah. you don't need, you don't need to be doing this right now. If, if you, if you feel a certain way, and with this, I mean, I think he probably did the legwork. I think he probably looked at what are most of the top-tier players. And even, you know, like at Texas, for example, um, where every single offensive lineman has a name, image, and likeness deal, 
So he's probably looking at it and saying, what would then we need for our offensive and defensive linemen right. and, and for positions that don't have as much notoriety and be able to factor all that in. So I think that he, it's also too, I mean, you know, Tyler, you work in, in money. I mean, people who have the money, if you give them a good plan and it sounds sound and it's a good number, then they're probably more willing to cut you a check. But if you just kind of like, you know, fly off the seat of your pants of, well, I think we need this much. I mean, I just think he put a round number to it and said, hey, those who spend money on the Ohio State football program, this is what we need for us to stay Ohio right. State. Yeah, I think like when you look at uh, what Saban has said, what like other coaches have come out and said, and you look at like Ohio State, it's a national brand, right? And when you talk about like what which what schools NIL will impact the most um, or what schools will, will like have the most positive benefits from, I mean, it's really hard not to go with a school like Ohio State, a school like Texas, a school like, I mean, you look at A&M, um, that's not a shot at A&M. I'm just saying it's obviously something that could be, like, you know, produce some some great end results, like with a school with that kind of, those kind of deep pockets. With Ohio State, like so much of this feels like, like when Saving came out and, and was talking to his donors, like, this is what I need. Like everything was like a, you know, like almost like a, like a pitch and a plea. Like, you know, this is what I need from you. Mm-hmm. Like, give me this amount. And when day came out with this, Ohio state as a entire athletic department had the, the highest earning, um, like total NIL deals, like, like from every single sport, right across the board, they, they earned the most, I, f- I forgot what the total was, but it was something like over 200 million. Like I think two, it's probably actually not 200 million, but it was like <laughs> through all of their sports, through all of their sports, like basketball, men and women's and football, obviously, and then whatever else they, they had the highest grossing NIL um, contracts of any school in America. A lot of this felt like almost like if you're in a, if you're trying to like negotiate a a raise, right? Like he probably, it probably doesn't take $13 million. Like you were kind of hitting that Dan, it probably doesn't take $13 million to run this, like this football team and this roster, but it sure would be great if you got 13, because then you probably have some extra money to play with. So yeah, I mean, and to your point, too, I mean, you know, that's the arms race now is, I mean, these teams and these programs, you're hearing college coaches talk about them like you hear NFL GMs and coaches mm-hmm. after OTAs and minicamp wrap up. I mean, you know, the other day, like, you know, all three of us are here in Atlanta, and I read where Terry Fontenot was like, yeah, our 53-man roster ain't even here yet. Like, there are still guys that are going to be part of that 53 that aren't even here and you had, I mean, you had Billy Napier after spring practice ended at Florida legit saying, mm-hmm. help wanted here in Gainesville. Like, come right. play in Gainesville. We need players to transfer into this program. And I think that's kind of a similar deal with name, image, and likeness is that, yeah, it is the reality now. I mean, what's the number one thing I guarantee that kids not named Arch Manning are going to be asking college football programs right now? What can you do for me in terms of the immediate right. and how much money can I make? That's the reality of where they regulate it and they put a cap on it. Absolutely. So while you can, and while the getting is good, absolutely try to say, Hey, you know, spend some money on me. Right. Dan, you, you probably have, uh, hear a lot of stuff working in some other jobs that you have in college football. Um, Mm. (laughs) right. That was a past life. (laughs) Um, are you hearing anything about a little bit more chiseled? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. I feel like I, I, I look like I got my wisdom teeth out like 10 years ago and it just <laughs> never healed back quite healed back up. But um, anyways, uh, are, what are you? Uh, 
do you how long do you think this goes kind of uncapped or, or unregulated do you think this is the one year where where teams are just going to take advantage of this rule before it changes or do you think this will be a multi-year thing yeah, I, I think this is it. I mean, because I think that there is enough groundswell from the power brokers, Greg Sankey, Nick Saban, mm-hmm. people of the such that are going to be a loud enough voice and also influential enough that you're going to get others to fall in line and say, yeah, hey, look, you know what? It's one less thing that I need to worry about. So I guess that, you know, I, I just let, you know, let's let's go ahead and, and put some guardrails on this thing before it really does spiral out of control. And you know, one of the things that I never got about all of this was people saying, oh, it's going to cause resentment. Most of these guys want to play in the NFL. And don't we know that there's only a handful of guys that are getting top tier endorsements in the NFL? So is that necessarily a problem in NFL locker rooms? No, it's not. Because if you're a starting left guard, you know that the quarterback is going to get a lot more opportunities than you. The, the star running back is going to get a lot more opportunities than you. The linebacker who gets after the quarterback, they're going to get more people wanting to have them pump their business than have you. Because for the most part, aside from the starting lineup, most people don't even know who you are. So I, I got to disagree with that part because I think that, especially when you talk about like, I brought this up last week. We did uh, me and Connor did like a, a Twitter space with Aaron Murray and, and going over like NFT and all this other stuff. And, and one of the things I was talking about was like what people sometimes don't understand about like a, like a, especially in college, a, a team, not everyone's friends. We, Rich, like my current host family patriarch, we hated each other in college. Like, hate, like not everyone is going to be super, like super close. Like you will do whatever it takes like on the field, obviously. Right. Mm. But when you talk about like, having some sort of resentment, I think that is going to be a big thing. Because when you get to the NFL, most of those guys that have those massive contracts, they've done that by earning it, like, unless they were, like, the number one overall pick or top ten pick, they've earned that with, like, performance on the field. In college, especially when you see, like, stuff like running backs, where you have, like, a, like a more of, like, a, you know, running back by committee, right? And you have, like, multiple backs getting, like, from a game-to-game basis, I think, like, I mean, look, look at James Cook last year. I, I don't think there was any kind of issue with, with his, you know, saying there was resentment in the Georgia backfield, but that's a guy that was could have been a starter and put up ridiculous numbers at a lot of places and was right. sharing like the load with you know Zamir White and like you know not to mention Kendall Milton and McIntosh and all that kind of stuff. I think that you're going to see a lot of that and and you already see it a little bit when you are with the transfer portal and people leaving at like the drop of a hat. I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of resentment because also the other thing, Dan, is they're they're fucking 17, 18, and 19 years old. Right. They're not like professionals. And you go into the NFL everyone's already known like what, like that's a business, right? You're going into a business and that's what you have to react, uh, you know, operate that way. This hasn't been in place long enough. I, I do Love think, it. well, this NIL thing is going to be just uh, an outrageous thing to follow. I think this year. And then I'm hoping that some sort of cap kind of figures out how to make this a, a, an even playing field, at least somewhat. I don't, I want the kids to make good money, but it's just, uh, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Well, and then, you know, I hate to, you know, name names with this, but I think in Do some it. ways there's going to be a market correction because mm-hmm. I think that there probably was a little bit yet last year with, you know, the businesses tying their name to Bo Nix. Bo Nix did not have a very good year. Same with Spencer Rattler. And then also to Quinn Ewers, who basically got his deal because Quinn Ewers looks like every single kid on TikTok. So they were like, all right, well, we definitely have to you know, be able to get on the ground floor with these guys and go from there. Mm-hmm. I think that companies are probably going to be a little bit more, I don't know if shrewd is the right word, but they're going to pretty much just say, hey, let's not go ahead and jump on somebody because they had one good year 
let's go ahead and come to them with a good number when they've been able to have a little bit more of a track record. And then maybe you can get a little bit of bounce back in terms of, I, I think that'd be interesting to see the studies to see like what businesses necessarily took a huge step forward because they attached their name to a particular athlete. Yeah. I think real quick too. I, I think like, if you talk about just from like a marketing standpoint, you have like a, like a billboard, right. Or if you do like a radio spot or like, you know, we, like we, <laughs> paid Nick Muse $69 to give us a very awkward um, shout out about, about our podcast. Like social shout media, out Nick Muse. shout out Nick Muse always um, social media. It has always blown my mind where like I've had like friends in the past um, and like someone I dated one time who was like, that was their whole income. And, and it's like, without getting into that, um, cause Liz is listening. Um, but like, I like, like no, the the whole thing is like I remember I remember going to this person's house one time and there was like a bunch of it was she had a deal with um uh Old Spice and there was like these little cigar boxes and I was like what is this they pay you in deodorant ha huh, ha huh. she's like no they pay me two thousand dollars per post and then like you would see other stuff with like you know Bacardi or Captain Morgan I think paid her thirty grand a year for one post a month and Jeez. one reason I say that kind of stuff because that's not for everyone you have these kids that have these massive followings especially on TikTok. I think you'll see a lot of money where like won't be as drastic with social media, like, like promotions because they, we've seen like, you know, like I can't tell you how many talentless people that are on TikTok right now that are making like a fuck ton of money because of like where TikTok is. So the, you'll probably see, you know, a lot of bonixes out there, um, make, you know, making money. They probably shouldn't. No, no offense, bonix. You, you deep in the TikTok scene these days. No, I don't get it at all. And you know what? One of my biggest, my biggest and like most annoying things I, I find now on social media is when somebody's on Instagram and they're like, they have like a couple hundred thousand followers or like a couple, tens of thousands of followers. And then their bio will be like 3.2 million on TikTok. I was like, okay, cool, man. Like <laughs> apparently just... it's, it's like infinitely easier to go viral and get followers on TikTok yeah. just because the algorithm algorithms that they use. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should, maybe we should attempt that at some point. Hasn't happened for me yet, but. <laughs> All right, we're well, switching it up here. Um, Sam Pittman, Arkansas fans got to be delighted with this. Five-year extension announced uh, just this past week. Uh, the new deal officially runs through the 2026 season, um, and he gets an automatic one-year extension if he posts a seven-win season. So, Arkansas, what do you think? You guys, uh, Sam Pittman, you think he's an Arkansas lifer, or do you think at some point he gets poached to go somewhere else? Chris, you want me to go for, I, don't yeah, think, Chris, I don't think Chris, he like, I don't think he'll get poached necessarily. I don't, I wouldn't at this point with the way college football is changing so much, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying anyone's like a lifer at a certain spot. Um, I will say, I don't, I don't see that feels like his dream job, right? Like I've, I've made the joke before. He's like Arkansas and, and Sam Pittman's kind of like coach O like Bible camp, like our Bible study coach O and LSU. Like there's nobody that dislikes Arkansas. There's nobody that dislikes Sam Pittman. You want to pull for him. To my knowledge, he hasn't cheated on his wife with multiple blondes in Baton Rouge or Fayetteville, which is a positive. No offense, Dan. Um, but like you have like with how much he's get, I, I love the whole story of when you when you're like passionate about your job and you can see someone really enjoys their job. You don't see that as much like, like I mean, Saban's been great for Bama. I don't think Saban's like, you know, I love Alabama. Like he probably does not like love living in Tuscaloosa as compared to some of his last or his other stops in life. Um, but Pittman, it's just, it's been great. He's been incredible for that, that, uh, 
fan base for one. And then also talk about the quick turnaround. Cause we forget how fucking bad Chad Morris was and how like Arkansas was a laughingstock. Arkansas was, was a Vandy. They were like a, not a UCF necessarily because they didn't have that kind of success, but they were a punchline to the joke when you like with how bad they were. I will say this from, from our show standpoint, one of the things that set out the most, not just getting like, you know, the four trophy wins last year, getting to a new year's day bowl, all that shit. They're 16 and six against the spread in the last two years. Mm. Yeah. And we love that. We love that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You're totally right. I mean, if you look at the actual, if you were to just step aside, not know, follow the SEC or Arkansas at all, you would look at this and you'd say, he got a five-year extension, man. He must be killing it. You go back in two seasons, the Arkansas is 12 and 11. And you'd be like, huh. That still feels like he's killing it. (laughs) Yeah. But if you actually have watched what's played out there, Mm-hmm. It just in two years, and unfortunately, I can liken this to my alma mater. We hired our coach the same year they did. Look at the two trajectories. One is yeah. taking off, and and one is just you know slowly, very slowly getting better, but not getting the job done. And I I'm just I'm pumped for Pittman. I mean, he he loves it there in Arkansas. Hey, if you can say your dream do- job is in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You got some things going on, and I love that. Fourth most be beautiful campus uh, in the country. Com- uh, always, always heard that. I've never been. Like, yeah. Everybody tells me like how pretty it is there, so I guess I need to go to Fayetteville. Uh, number one, before I get into my point, uh, <laughs> let's not uh, gloss over the fact that Marler just admitted that Baton Rouge is better than Tuscaloosa. I appreciate you there are, for saying Tuscaloosa that. sucks. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I love that. I, had a great time I, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, but no, I, no. I, I appreciate it very much. Uh, Tuscaloosa and Bama fans are not going to like this. Go to College Station and then go to Tuscaloosa, and you think that you're in the same place. Like, they literally – the campus and the towns look almost exactly the same. It's a massive, sprawling campus with a bunch of strip malls in the town, and then mm. you're just kind of like, all right, well, I guess that was Tuscaloosa. I guess that was College Station. So, I feel like um, one of those know, still, probably has a lot more female co-eds than the other still, one. Still fun, still fun to be had. Still fun to be had. Uh, but no, like with Sam Pittman, I think the other thing that like can't be talked about enough is in the game of knowing about these guys as being just so shrewd and also, too, if they've got to step on toes to get where they need to go, then they'll do it. Uh, if they got to be the bad guy, then they'll do it. This guy is liked by everyone, and he still yeah. beats people. Like, I think for the most part, you know, it's one of those things that I've talked about before. I think he's the SEC's Dabo now because Arkansas is a place that not – hear me out on this – is Arkansas is a place where coaches go, and they know that they're going to be allowed to do their jobs, and they mm-hmm. don't necessarily have any real interest in leaving because of that. I mean – Right. I think that probably outside of the fact that Kendall Bryles' last name is Bryles, he probably would have been gone a long time ago. But I think that coupled with, hey, this guy lets me do my job and lets me continue to grow my profile. And that's the thing that I think when somebody does take a chance on Kendall Bryles, if it gets the stamp of approval from Sam Pittman, it's going to be like, we don't need to do any more due diligence. If this guy is saying that he is good and he's fine and he can lead our program, then that's mm-hmm. all. That's, that's all of the approval that we need. And the same deal with Barry, Barry Odom as well. So, um, you know, they continue to add really good players. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see if Jaden Hazelwood actually becomes what people thought Jaden Hazelwood was going to be right. at Oklahoma. Um, you know, but, I mean, this is probably the first time in a long time that people have gone into a season at Arkansas and said, damn, we could actually do something this year. Uh, right. I think that the first year it was, man, that was a surprise. Last year it was, well, that was kind of unexpected. And now you're not necessarily going to keep people napping. I mean, 
you know, when, when they go to when when they go to Baton Rouge, LSU is going to be right. Well, but they come there this year, but you get my point. I mean, anywhere they go and play this year, they're not going to catch people on their heels. Well, I tell you what. How about the how about the like realistic um, like self awareness from the university and and like the athletic department when they made that contract saying if you get to seven wins because that schedule is brutal every year right. and, and and like especially in this day and age, it's one of the things I always talk about. And some fans hate to hear it. Cause it's like, man, like, like sometimes you, not everyone can win 10 games. Not everyone can go undefeated. Not like, you know, especially in a league like the sec. And I think as like fans in general, there's some level of delusion that kind of plays into all that kind of stuff. But it's, I think it's really good. Like you talk about allowing your coach to succeed, having the bar set at a reasonable place. That's huge. Right. No, it, it is. I mean, and that's, that's also too, I mean, you know, what makes a successful program, a successful program, everybody's on mm-hmm. the same page. And I almost wonder, I'm assuming he's a Jimmy Sexton guy. If you're an SEC coach, then it does have to be. Pre- yeah. I was going to say it's a prerequisite that Jimmy Sexton is your agent, but regardless, I mean, you know, I guarantee you, he went into the contract negotiations and they're probably like, Hey, for these escalators, you know, what do you necessarily think? I think there's that level of respect for Sam Pittman, mm-hmm. Because, again, too, I think that probably there would be people out there. Why are you giving him an extension? He's not going anywhere. It's the principle of respect. Hey, you've brought us to this point right now. We've got some money to be able to give you, so we're going to do it. And and I think that that's where Hunter Juracek in Arkansas was coming from. I'm going to see if I can share my screen. This could be a total disaster. But I got to say, have you guys seen what he built in his backyard? No. Wasn't it like a it oh, was the, like the a, giant hog? Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it was the giant hog. Yeah, the hog, hog statue. The, I've seen that. Yeah. This supposedly this I, I don't know if the tradition is carried over to Fayetteville, but apparently when he was at Georgia, he had a hell of a Kentucky Derby party every year. Interesting. Love a good Kentucky Derby party. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know if I don't think it's gonna work, but Yeah, don't do it. We're wait, wait. Nope. We're playing with fire over here. <laughs> yeah. you guys gotta go just google it uh, you guys all have access to google we've got some live listeners again feel free to tap in we got some comments flowing through here uh dan i don't know if you saw this one when we were talking about your uh past life as a as a ah. i guess a porn so you were were you in the porn industry were you were you in film please can't, con- can't confirm nor deny but uh <laughs> all i'll say is uh, I'm, I'm i'm ready to go now Jesus let's see God. we got B Summers ninety. I think the amount of Dollar Generals in a city is a more accurate measurement. Um, not sure what that was referred to. I caught that late. I think it was about my strip malls line because I saw that somebody else uh, had about. Uh, oh yeah, it was uh, uh, Florida Jet Set. Um, yeah, doesn't everywhere except for Nashville. I mean, it's true. Yeah, I mean, strip mall is very much a southern thing. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and then you got John Smith here that says uh, the hog is on his on uh, Pittman's Lake House in Hot yeah. Springs, and the Kentucky Derby parties are still rolling in favor. Okay, all right, thank you, John. We love to hear it. There we go. All right, uh, uh, let's see what what the hell is going on with the SEC schedule. What do we what do we what do we? I feel like I, I see eighteen iterations of what's going to happen in the SEC on the schedule. Do we do we know what's going on here, Dan? Have you heard anything? I mean, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I mean. The only thing I had heard was that likely for now it was going to be staying at eight. And then the momentum was garnered, was starting to build for nine. Um, the only thing I can think of now is they want to see if the Big 12 is really going to say, hey, with these four teams coming in, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, you're still with us, right? Like, 
you're sticking with us until 2025. Right. Um, so I think there is still a little bit of that. I don't necessarily think that the Big 12 is all of a sudden going to say, hey, Oklahoma, Texas, yeah, don't worry about all that money. You can go, uh, especially when you factor in that they're one of the lowest, if not the lowest earning Power Five uh, conference right now. So they need all the money. It's got to be the lowest. I, I think it is. I, I think that the, the Pac-12 does uh, just edge them out. I'm sure somebody in the comments will have that. But that's what I think they're waiting on is they're waiting to see when do they join and then when do you have to build up? Because, I mean, you know, that was a thing, too, as I saw Mike Griffith had with uh, Josh Brooks of Georgia was they have a home and home coming up, I believe, in 23 and 25, kind of like the way that they did the Notre Dame series a few years ago, where in, next year they're going to go to Norman and in 25 they were supposed to come back to Athens, which that right. seems pretty easy, I'd have to think. I mean, I don't believe that Oklahoma is going to be – one of their permanent uh, opponents. But I think the other thing is as well is like, what is like this sec rotation? Like, because how the hell has Texas A&M been in the conference since 2012 and Georgia has not been once to college station. Good question. Good question. Like, like not once. That's, I mean, that's I, like, so I was, I was like, this is going to shock you. I was uh, going, going at it back and forth with the Georgia fan on Twitter the other day, um, which is now just one of my new favorite traditions and everyone's least favorite tradition that happens all the time. But somebody brought up that were like, imagine losing to, to Texas A&M. And I was like, imagine fucking playing Texas A&M. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's just mind blowing to me. And, you know, without getting too much into it, it's weird the way the SEC has done it. Like I know for a long time, Bama, you know, everyone's kind of assumed they get the breaks. And I'm not saying Georgia has, or any team has like from the SEC, like especially, but like A&M did go there in 2019. Um, and, but you look at like, Georgia's track record playing like legitimate or even just good above average SEC West teams. They've gone to Arkansas. I think they made a trip to, to Mississippi State. Like, but outside of that, Doing that about, they lost they lost to Bama by 17 in 2020. They lost to LSU. They got boat raced by LSU. They 18. got boat raced yeah, by yeah. in for two years in a row in 2019 mm-hmm. and 20, uh, 2018. Then they, you know, the old miss game, I think it was in 2016 or 2015 out there. They lost by like 30. 16, so yeah. It, and, and the only reason I bring that up is because then you look at a team like Florida, and you know everyone talks about that shoe game and how Florida, Florida is just shit in the bed right now. The shoe game the is so good. The shoe game, but like so you know, good. when you talk about like, like people are just like oh, you know we that was that we lost the national championship that night, and realistically that loss I guess did put them out of it. But mm-hmm. um, like yes, that was a good point about Tennessee. I need to read the comments. You're right, Tyler. Um, <laughs> but like when you talk about. Uh, Florida's played A and M. Their crossover game is always LSU, and I love that rivalry. I love that. Yeah. But they also had to play A and M. I want to say I think they play them again this year. It's like like you know two or three times in the last like four years they've gone out there a minimum two times. And right, I just it is a it's odd it's odd to see because it's like I'm sure scheduling is a nightmare in terms of like like logistically setting that up, but it it does seem like the disparity on you know, some of those, some, some teams, uh, what do you call it? Schedules are, are a lot different than others, but also I will say this in Georgia's defense, Georgia's probably catching the brunt of that because Georgia's so fucking good now. And mm. that like, it's it, like they will waltz to their schedule, but part of that's because of how good they are. They're one of the top three teams in the country. Yeah, no, they've been, they've been unreal. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, yeah, I see John, you know, Georgia's record against uh, Auburn and it's been good the last few years. Uh, there's no they've doubt won 14 of the last 17. Well, there you go. So he just did Which it. I for love, us. John. 
Yeah. yeah God bless you. <laughs> um, no, I, but I mean, it, it has worked out for them these last few years. Cause it's, you know, kind of like the conversation right now of Georgia fans, who's our rival. When I first got here, that's the way it was. But now, I mean, it's kind of like, all right, taking care of Auburn, taking care of Georgia Tech's not even a factor. And then Florida seems down right now. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it probably does get to nine. I mean, the most yeah. vocal when proponent Texas of it. Did. Yeah. Well, I mean, but but that's the thing, though, too, is Texas and Oklahoma, that's what they're used to playing, is, right. is they're used to playing the nine-game conference schedule. So, who knows? Maybe, you know, Chris Del Conte and, and Joe Castiglione are going to kind of flip the script when they get here and say, uh, yeah, this conference is hard enough, uh, so give right. me UTEP, give me UTSA, and give me, oh, I don't know, southeastern Louisiana, and then one more game, and then we'll jump into it. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, that could be well, part of it as well. I think if the if the playoff expands, um, or I, I don't know, do you guys even buy into the whole like SEC only playoff thing? No, is that Flex. a real? Okay, it, I, yeah. it's it's very much. Here's the thing. I don't think that it's real right now, but I think that Greg Sankey is kind of looking at the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, the Alliance. And saying, mess around and find out what's going to happen. Like, mess yeah, around yeah. And, and make your thing into the BCS one more time. Because right. if you guys necessarily think that you're the ones that can push and make this thing happen, then you haven't been paying attention the last few years. So guess what? We'll go do our thing, and then you can have your national champion, and right. everybody can say it, it It would be, like I brought up on, on the show, it would be LSU-USC 2003 on steroids. Where yeah. remember everybody wanted that game, and if we had the college football playoff, we probably have that game. But the fact that if you didn't have the SEC in this thing, then just be like, all right, hey, congratulations, good luck, everybody. Yeah, I will also too. I think I think one thing that's going to be a determining factor in that is like, I mean, Georgia Tech playing Georgia is a non-issue, right? And then you talk about like having like Louisville and Kentucky, but when you look at a, a school like South Carolina, especially with like them trying to like come up a little bit under uh under shane beamer i think if you force a&m to play texas well actually no that's that'll be over because it'll be in the same conference but like when you look at like somebody like south carolina when you have if you play nine game conference schedule and then you have a built-in 10th against a team like clemson that is a tough tough road and a and you're putting a ceiling in my opinion it's you know hard to break through um and like kind of a, a low ceiling for a program like that. Not saying that they will not ever be able to break through it or they won't ever beat Clemson again or anything like that, but, like, that is a big uphill battle. And I think mm -hmm. that when you have, like, if, if you're putting, like, some of those games, even Kentucky-Louisville, that's, that's you know, not like a cakewalk for Kentucky necessarily. I think when you have stuff like that, you're making, like, almost a competitive imbalance for some of your teams, and they're not going to do that. Well, and, you know, you're talking about Texas and, and Texas A&M. I mean, I love – I love how Ross Bjork has already gotten the dynamics of what that rivalry still is and yeah. coming straight out and saying, all right, fine. When you guys get into the conference, guess what? That first game, it's here. It's in College yeah. Station. We ain't coming to you. Um, because that's also as well is our good buddy, Carlos Medina. He has a, he, he has a, a line that he says all the time about having hand. And mm -hmm. for the longest time, Texas had hand. The upper yeah, hand in this case. The upper hand, yeah. Absolutely. And in this case now, the last few years with all the money that they've earned and how Texas has not been really a factor in any major sports and the Longhorn Network has sucked and A&M has been able to get all the SEC Network 
uh, money that Texas A&M is kind of looking at them. And now I think that that's the other part of it as well, is that if nothing else, yelling across the field, it's going to be, you had to come here because you saw how good things were for us. Like, that's why you're here. And, and, that's, and, and, that, and that's, the other, that's the other part of all of this is that Texas A&M, they want to continue to hold that over Texas's heads because mm-hmm. pretty much, I don't know if this was officially it, but pretty much when the Lost Dodds, who was the former athletic director at Texas, when somebody asked him about keeping up with the Joneses, he goes, we are the Joneses. That's when Texas A&M said, all right, you know what? We'll find out how much of the Joneses you really are. We're going right. east. Well, speaking of uh, A&M here, did you guys see this? Chris, I'm sure you saw this. Um, so shortly after the little spat between Jimbo and Saban, um, there was some news that broke. This is a little late, but since we had a vacation last week, we, we still have to talk about it because Alabama got some recruiting news uh, a couple weeks ago uh, when Eli Holstein, a four-star uh, QB out of Louisiana, the number Zachary. 54 overall player in the class of 2023. Yeah, Zachary, Louisiana. You know it? Yeah, it's uh, right outside of Baton Rouge, I think. Oh, interesting. Well, he will not be going to LSU, at least as of now. In fact, he was committed to Jimbo Fisher for some time, and he decided to flip his commitment. Um, he pulled back on his pledge to A&M in March, and now he is committed to Alabama. Chris, what did you think about this? I mean, okay, so I have an array of thoughts on this because um, – I mean, you know, I tend to overthink everything. One, I don't know how Bama landed the like, the only quarterback it seems like this year that's not a fucking five-star. There's like seven five-star quarterbacks in the top ten of like overall rankings this year, right? Um, they get a four-star. And like it's hard for me to get super pumped about a lot of recruits now just because of the way the transfer portal is. And it's not – like especially this far before signing day. We talked about this last year. It's like the way recruiting is now, it's just – for me, at least, it's very difficult to like keep up with and and want to get invested into because it's so many moving parts that it's so many like consistent changes. But here's here's what I ultimately came up with: Eli Holstein is going to lead Alabama to a national championship, and this is why. You see the trend in college football, right? That I'm somewhat making up here. Stetson Bennett the fourth is the best DUI lawyer name in the country. <laughs> Brock Vandergriff also can, like staying with the theme, right? Yep. Eli Gunner Holstein Stockton. is Gunners. Well, that's a little bit different. That's like more of a, <laughs> like a lawyer, like, you know, not, not DUI lawyer. He sounds like he probably got a DUI, but Eli Holstein is straight up in a, a, a CPA name. Like he, he sounds like a personal accountant. Probably that's why he's going there on scholarship to learn accounting, probably for Saban cook the books a little bit. I think we're in a new era of um, super white. Uh, what do you call it? Names to lead your team to a national championship. So I mm-hmm. hope they don't give him a scholarship one. You got to follow the blueprint that Kirby's laid out at this point, which is don't give him a scholarship. Don't let him play immediately. Hopefully the fans will hate him. Hopefully the fans will really push for him not to start throughout the entire season. And he'll just, you know, be steady Eddie and, and lead us to national championship. It'll be great. Does, does the side parts and bangs continue to be a thing? Because that's kind of, I guess Mac had it a little bit, but Mac no. was a little bit more, he was, he was a little bit more feathery. Like, you know, I mean, the, the real, I would say that probably the greatest run for that was McElroy. He had it working. Yep. And then, of course, you know, McCarron had it like nobody's business. 
and then Jake Coker as well. Although, like Cooper Bateman, Bro, I AJ felt like McCarron and Brody Croyle before. I mean, like oh, yeah, oh Croyle, yeah, the worst yeah, hair. Yeah, Croyle, Croyle is one of the one of the OGs for it. But like uh, even like Cooper Bateman, I felt like like tried to like jump in and be like, see, oh, I can have my hair look like this too. And it was just like, yeah, dude, you're from Utah. Like nobody cares. Um, I, but no, I mean, I, I think Utah, that, by the way. That, that's it. That's it. Uh, the Utes uh, supposed to have a huge, uh, huge season this year. Uh, but, um, no, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, at least from recent memory with quarterbacks, if Saban is saying, yeah, and somebody within that Alabama program that he trusts is saying, yeah, then you got to trust at least their judgment because, not only have they been able to get quarterbacks to their school, they've also been able to put up some huge numbers. And a huge reason yeah. for that is massive, really good wide receiver. Not even massive, uh, just really good wide receivers that have been able to uh, be great pass catchers for these guys as well. Like, it's funny, the age-old debate right now is why do quarterbacks keep saying yes to Kirby Smart when you end up playing either Jake Fromm or you end up playing Stetson Bennett? It's because – you're selling them on a dream. You're selling them on, hey, you can be the guy. You can be our Joe Burrow. Now, that's not the yeah. recruiting pitch, but somebody's got to be the guy that turns things around. And I think if nothing else last year, like Stetson Bennett kind of showed you, hey, that guy that they're paying $2 million to to lead the offense, Todd, Todd Monken, he's not going anywhere. So after I'm gone, yeah. you can have the opportunity. And then make no mistake about it, uh, Cortez Hankton going to LSU and Brian McClendon coming back, I guarantee you Brian McClendon's number one charge was we've got to start getting top-tier wide receivers in this program because yeah. that's why we're that, – that's why we haven't been consistently beating those guys for some time. So well, that's, that's, that's their next challenge in Georgia. I, I, I got so much heat for saying this like two years ago, but it really is like a good point. Um, even I'm a little bit biased on it, but like I'm not saying that five stars should not go to Athens because the Justin Fields situation, it, you can't start – you can't start him over Jake Fromm when Jake Fromm took you to a national championship and he's having a hell of a year like his following year, right? I totally like we can poke fun at it all we want. It's like low hanging fruit, but it makes sense. The JT Daniels thing, like I think at this point, it's more of like a fan push. It's like they want this elite quarterback. And let's not joke like all jokes aside, Setson Ben is a very good quarterback. And you look at his numbers and they were they were ranked very high not just in the sec but also in in like the country and the numbers he put up with 29 touchdowns and he had almost only 20 attempts a game like you're talking about like a like you know 60 percent, 70 like maybe 50 percent sometimes matt luke come on come on matt luke head coach former head coach Ole Miss football but like like sets and bennett it's going there like it's your best we, i will say it's it your is. best percent. <laughs> that and louis armstrong like but kind of like transitioning out of like the, the eli holston things i don't think it's that big of a deal um Arch Manning visiting UGA. And I've talked to like Graham Coffee, our buddy, you know, Dog Out West on Twitter, who's who's very tuned in with um with like, you know, the inner workings of that program and also what's going on at UGA for the football program. Um, they also just launched a new site. I think John might be on the site. Um, John Smith. Um I can't I think it's Dog Central. I can't remember the exact name. But anyway, y'all go check that out. He said this weekend, like I think in February, he told me he's like George is going to get Arch Manning. And I was like, why would he go to anywhere but Texas? I don't understand why. Like, just go to Texas. And he said, I think he put like his prediction then it was like 8.5, right? Out of 10. Like that was like his, his confidence factor. After the visit this week, because Arch Manning was in um in Athens, he he said on Twitter, his confidence meter would be like 9.85 out of 10 that he's going to 
to UGA. Oh so for God. anyone that thinks that like this whole like recruiting train, because I know Gunnar Stockton ended up being a four star, but he was a five star for a very long time. Like what you know, as a recruit, it's not stopping anytime soon. And it also, I like one reason I like it, even though it's technically going to what some people would consider a rival. Um, <laughs> that's good. That's a good. That we got good. the comment um, up for those listening on the podcast. A commenter just said, "If Uncle Chris combines Matt Luke and Louis Armstrong, he might finally nail the Coach O impression." It's pretty good. Um, no, but like I, one thing I like about if, if Arch Manning goes to Georgia, that's such a big middle finger to the whole like camp. That is, this game is like the sport is ruined. People are only going to make decisions based off money. And I understand he comes from like a well-to-do family. I mean, he does come from the worst Manning, which, you know, so it's not like he's like top tier Manning. Oh, shout out um, Coop. Come on. Shout out Coop. But like it, it also still shows that objectively like, the worst players, Manning though. If we're being yeah, honest. Top tier players still want to win. <laughs> and that's the reason like he would, you know, go like Munkin's great and he's, he's severely underrated, but I think like that's, I think that's a, another positive of Arch Manning going there. So. The, I mean, you know, I, I've heard the same things that you're bringing up that Graham brought up. I mean, you know, other people feel really good about, especially after the visit. And, of course, usually after an official visit, you feel good because you just put your best foot forward and they got to put on mm-hmm. all the gear and hang out with everybody and be the toast Uniform of the town the there. Um, but, you know, it's going to be the same at Alabama. And it's going to be interesting because I think for one second, if people think that just because Eli Holstein is committed, that that just knocks Alabama out of this, you're fooling yourself. Right. Nick Saban Nick Saban will sign two quarterbacks if he needs to sign two quarterbacks and then let it work itself out from there. And gray shirt the shit out of the, the bad one. That's it. He, he, he is not worried about that. My hunch is why Texas is still in this because I think that probably, and let's remember here, Arch is what, 17, 18 years old? He probably is yeah. like, you know, shit, man. Like, Austin's pretty awesome. Like, I would love to, like, be in Austin – but I think if nothing else, this is where the family is going to come into play. This is where Uncle Peyton and Uncle Eli are going to be like, dude, do you want to go there and possibly get your ass kicked because you don't yeah. have an offensive line? I mean, yeah, you'd be the toast of the you town. You might not start. And, and, Austin, and yeah, with Quinn Ewers there, you might not start. And I think that he really does like Steve Sarkeesian. But let me go ahead and give you a little bit of a plot twist here. Like I said, Todd Munkin, $2 million a year, not likely to go anywhere anytime soon unless somebody comes with a larger check for him. What if it didn't work out for Steve Sarkeesian? And then down the line, Kirby Smart says, hey, Steve-O, Athens is a good spot for you. That's a lot of moving parts. It is a lot of moving parts. <laughs> I, I, did, I did try to try to make a lot of things happen there, kind of stranger things happening, you know, Vecna and everything. But uh, no, no – yeah, no, no, no spoilers. Um, but I think that probably, I mean, in terms of, you know, the situation that looks the best for him is you look at what Georgia has coming off a national title, recruiting classes are still there, strong offensive lines. I mean, I don't think Stacy Searles can, can mess it up. Uh, but at least from the group they've got right now, I mean, because that's the other thing is as well, Chris, is I'm not just saying this because it's Alabama. Alabama's going to have some questions this year on that offensive line. And is that kind of something that maybe they're starting to lose their grip on the offensive and defensive lines? I will say that if you like after not just reading like the preseason magazines or trying to be like a prisoner of the moment, I did like a lot of thinking about this too, because I've been very overconfident about the A&M thing more than anything. Georgia winning the SEC. It, like if you were, if you were to ask me, like, it's like you have to put a hundred dollars down on like an SEC team to win the national championship. 
I feel more comfortable doing that with Georgia than I do Alabama because Georgia's schedule is a lot, lot easier. They also have a lot less question marks on offense. And I tell you what, the A and M thing. I, I hate to even like admit this. When you're talking about having eight total five stars in that defensive line, and games being one of the trenches, and and especially off the edge, and you saw how fucking bad that offensive line was at Alabama last year. That game against A and M, regardless of being at home, regardless of being a night game. I don't think that's going to be the cakewalk that I was necessarily like boasting um, immediately. And, and a lot of like Bama fans probably think overconfidently is going to, is going to be the case. I don't, I mean, it's, it's not like we haven't seen true freshmen dominate like in the trenches right. before. So yeah. Off no, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are spinning off into some depression for Chris. So let's move on to a different topic here. Uh, Tennessee baseball. A couple stories out coming out of Knoxville. The first one we'll start with. So the ESPN announcer, who apparently is a former Arkansas baseball player, so there may be a little bit of uh, bad blood here, but Troy Eklund, I think that's uh-huh. how you pronounce it, Yep. Um, during Friday's broadcast of the Oklahoma State-Tennessee game, basically came yeah. out and said that the uh, Evan Russell for Tennessee – What's oh, you know, Oklahoma State, Arkansas? I'm sorry, Oklahoma State, Missouri State. Mm-hmm. So he was on that broadcast, and he was talking about Tennessee, and he basically said that Evan Russell, Tennessee's player who was out for the first round, um, he basically said, yeah, I'm hearing rumors that he, tested, he, he failed a PED Oof. drug test. <laughs> and apparently this was just a complete, like, he might have heard it from, like, Chris. Like, Chris. First off, don't throw me into this shit. <laughs> Unconfirmed um, sources at Vern Funquist on Twitter. I was you know, I was bouncing around on Twitter. I heard this guy might be doing PEDs. So and he just threw that out there on national broadcast. And, and then ESPN ran with it. Yes, and ESPN ran with it. And I don't know what do you think is going to come out of this. I mean, I potential because if you are now uh, you're a, a draft prospect, you're going to have to battle questions about hey, like are you you clean player out of thin air? Presumably, if this uh-huh. is untrue, which it sounds like it is. I mean, you could you could essentially sue for defamation or something like that, loss of draft capital of something. You know, you could argue that it hurts him. Uh, did you guys see this story? And what'd you think, Dan? Yeah, I saw it. I mean, it's one of those things that it's an absolute lesson for Eklund, where you got to be careful what you say into a live mic, and that's one of those things. You know, I don't break many stories. Uh, I don't know many of us do. But it's one of those that I learned less than a long time ago. You don't know, don't go. And yeah. I think that that's probably somebody – and I got to believe, you know, that Eklund is just like anybody else in this business trying to get in where you've got a mentor or two, and that mentor probably called him immediately after and was just like, dude, you can't do that. Like, if you get it from sources, you get it from, you know, different people, hell – they even have a chance to talk to the coaches. I mean, I think that that's the chance right there is, you know, you ask them ahead of time, you know, Hey, you know, just go one through nine in, in, in the uh, conversations with the coaches. And if you ask about the catcher, just be like, you know, your catcher, you know, how you feeling about him heading into the regional. And then of course it's up to Tony Vitello. If he wants to say, well, we're probably not going to have him for the first game or two for whatever reason. And then, you know, go from there. Cause the other thing is too, is it's all about trust. That guy now, it's going to be very hard for him to get on a conference call with a coach and have those guys trust him. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm telling him anything now. 
But I think that it's, that's the thing is you ask Kirk Herbstreit, you ask any of these guys that have done it for a long enough time, you know how to, you know how to work that relationship. And you also know how to, you know, not let certain things get out that probably, you know, that if you're thinking about it really hard, you're saying, yeah, I don't really think that they'd want that information out there. So I'm not going to make myself look good for it right, right. now. Yeah, like the downsides and like the the negative, the negatives really outweigh the positives a lot of that. And like Herbstreit's arguably one of the big, like the biggest name in college football media, right? And and since he made the mistake in 2007 of saying that he, you know, that Les Miles was going to Michigan, and that becoming a whole thing, which I still think he probably was. And then like Les Miles is smart and dumb enough at the same time to be like, you know what? No, I'm not going. Um, <laughs> So I, I think that like like he, he hasn't really done that since like he said he kind of stays out of that like you know personally, um, but I think like I've I mean I've been told from multiple people, and I'm not saying it's like I'm not this is not me making accusations or like that, but like when the the PED thing came up, I heard that from a few, and then when I like asked somebody about it, they were like immediately jumped into like yeah. Also, they've been using illegal bats the whole year because apparently they did get caught for this early on in the year. I don't necessarily believe that. I feel like if you were using illegal bats the entire season, somebody would probably catch on. I do feel like this is a team that is the best college baseball team I have personally ever seen. They have the best, most talent, like best roster. And it's also a sport and like a team that has almost mirrored how that fan base has started to view themselves over the past year and don't give a shit about like they want to be the villains. And sometimes it's good to have villains. Like you like, yeah. you know, I'm going to date myself. Obviously we talk about like the bad boys of like talk about Detroit and like the late night or late eighties, like in, in, in NBA. And the you and about, the like, yeah, exactly. Like use is a much better example. And that I wish I'd use that instead of Detroit basketball, because again, dated myself um, and badly there, but like all those, like, Tennessee owns that. I think their fans own that. It is. I, I think this is like a case of like fans and other people that do not enjoy what they're doing because it's so abrasive, like the way they're handling it. And like the first thing I got called a boomer last night, like for, for <laughs> like making a comment about what Jordan Beck did, which we're going to talk in a second. Like, I think the main reason people don't like Tennessee is because I'm not saying anything that's, that's a surprise to anyone here. Tennessee fans are assholes on social media, flat out, <laughs> just flat out. Like, and they, and they, they like welcome that they, they own that. It's not paying with a broad brush. They, oh no, 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 no. It's a badge of oh, honor. They Absolutely. definitely. Yeah. They I mean, I'll, 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 I'll take a line from uh, our good buddy, or maybe he's not a good buddy, Brandon Walker of when he was saying, they'll get after your ass on Twitter. They will get yeah. after your ass on Twitter. They tried to have me fired two years ago and it was, awful. <laughs> it was actually hilarious too, because they were sending, like messages on every single social media platform we had um, asking for me to get fired, but they were sending them to me since I was the engagement. Editor. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to look into it totally. Um, but no, I mean like I think this, this team like embraces that and two things that come from that. The, again, this is the best college racial team we've ever seen. They have so much fucking talent. The two things that come from that one I think it's only going to get worse and you're only going to hear more stuff. The, the, the whole bats thing, the PD thing had big, like Bama and Clemson used deer piss or whatever, or like, deer antler piss or whatever it was like as PEDs a couple like, you know, 10 years, 10 years ago. The other thing is I think that this is such a glimpse into what the future is. If Tennessee gets good again at football and my God, what a nightmare. 
that is going to be tough <laughs> for uh, for every fan base. If you think that Georgia winning a national title is bad in terms of shit talk for everyone, um, that oh, is going to be just unreal. And look, at the same time, though, too, like you got to tip your hat to Tennessee fans that they've managed yeah. to like be like this see strong, I guess, uh, without going all the way through with it. But right. to like, like, like to feel like they are still like the, you know, the, that in the walk and they haven't necessarily done anything in years on, on the football field. So I think if nothing else, that's another reason why they've gravitated so much to this baseball program. And also too, the fan base and the head coach and the players seem to like all feed off of each other. Like, yeah. if you like, that's the They're thing. They're fun to watch, Tony, man. No, and, and that, exactly. But like, Tony Vitello has not only gotten into it with umpires. I mean, he did chest bump the guy who looked like Lawrence from Office Space uh, as the umpire for uh, the SEC and, and got suspended for it. But then also, too, I mean, what? He got into it with Dave Van Horn. Didn't he and Paul Maneri get into it like last year as well during a series or something happened? Like It wasn't as bad there. as the Dave Van Horn thing, but yeah. And like, you're talking about like the Arkansas like, that's thing. The thing. Like, 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 he's, yeah. he's even willing to go like toe-to-toe with head coaches and be like, screw you. We're, we're the assholes here, and we're going to show you that we are. I mean, um, but, yeah, I mean, I saw a thing last night, too, with Jordan Beck. I mean, it's an yeah, emotional moment. It, it, it's an emotional moment. Um, it probably is one of those where you're like, do you really need to throw up the bird running, you know, trying to get – because first off, <laughs> no. it's still, it's still no. a ball, get to second base. But here's the thing, and, and I said this on Twitter today, is I love watching Tennessee because they play with an edge. And they play the game. They play the game hard. Um, you know, a couple of Tennessee guys I was talking with today. They were like, "The funny thing is, is all these guys are really good kids." But you know, it's also too. I mean, they just. They, I think that if nothing else, that's what Vitolo has kind of tapped into with them is saying, "Stop trying to be the choir boys. Like we're not the choir boys. We're not Vanderbilt. We're not LSU. Yeah. We're not Ole Miss. We're not any of these programs that people look to and say, oh, yeah, really good baseball there.'" we're kind of the new guys on the block that kind of have to show like, Hey, that's the old sec. This is the new sec. And it runs through Knoxville. I kind of think well, they pulled that edge. The other thing too, I think Tennessee baseball under Tony Vitello is everything Lane Kiffin said they were going to be under him. Good like, point. Yeah, absolutely. They, they did nothing but back it up. They like, I mean, to the tune of like, they were fucking 53 and seven. That stupid. is stupid. Like that yeah. is stupid, especially in the best conference in the, in the country. Um, you know, they, they breeze to their regional. Um, like the fact that Vegas has them at only plus 250 at the start of the college baseball tournament is crazy, right? Like that, that's how good they are. Um, but if I, the, the, the whole reason I think people hate them is they are brash. They are very abrasive. And, you know, it's like there's a lot of bullshit, I think, in in like baseball, especially that people are like the unwritten rules of baseball. Like, well, fucking write them down. Let's just write them down. How about that? And then we won't do those things like. You know, there's, how dare you, Ronald Acuna Jr.? It's so stupid, right? Like, and I like, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to any Stop of like, doing those zero steps and silencers and everything. I, dude, I, see, I love, I, I love the backflips. I love the right now. I've told this to Tyler like before, like, and I don't think it's a big secret. If I was that good at baseball, like, even with my level of being like a really, really good high school baseball player, I would have been the biggest asshole imaginable with like the way like baseball is now, like. Bat flips, just I, I can't tell you how many balls I would have had to run out at first and second base that I would have bat flipped, thought I hit a bomb. Like I, I would have been the worst. But the whole thing about the middle finger, and I know there's several Tennessee fans like you didn't see what the center fielder he was talking trash all night. 
okay, well, that's what your entire fucking team does every single game. Yeah, Every, yeah like, exactly. You know, and you're at, you're in Knoxville. Like it was it was wild to me to see any kind of Tennessee fans like defend it because giving the middle finger as your rounding first base, I've never seen anything like that. Like that's that was crazy to me. I, it, like, and I'd say what's even crazier is Jordan Beck is the highest rated prospect on that team from like out of position players at least, and just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Like just, yeah. like, I mean, like just, I mean, it I was, kind of admire it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. He's In a like, way, he, he's like my Twitter came to life. I think, it's, but like probably a little bit more rational. So it's yeah. it's it's major eighty six Mets vibe. I mean, I don't know if you guys had a chance minus to watch the cocaine. That. Yeah, minus the cocaine. But you know, I mean, that thirty for thirty of you know just how those Mets that that Mets team played in eighty six. I mean, they were yeah. hated across the board. The Dodger fans hated them. I mean, yeah. Every, Everybody hated them, but their whole thing was what Lenny Dykstra said. We're going to come there. We're going to beat your ass. We're going to drink mm-hmm. your beer, and then we're going to do another thing. Love it. All right, let's get into the last part of the, the thing here. We'll do a couple questions. Uh, we got one live in the chat. Uh, this one's from Trevor Garza. It says, Aggie here, why is Texas A&M the poster child for negative NIL publicity when USC has been far more visible on the open market? Is it because they are buying transfers and not allegedly recruits? It's a good question. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll weigh in here. Um, I think no one really gives a shit about football out west down here. And so, yeah, it's in the background. And if USC really starts to be having none of those things are real, success, Tyler. The $3.2 million, none of that was real. That's another part of it, too. That's, that didn't happen. There wasn't a USC collective that was paying that amount of money. Go on. I mean, like we, that's that's a factual thing. Like Stuart Mandel came out and said it. Like it's funny how something becomes a Twitter rumor, and then all of a sudden it's fact. Jordan Addison didn't get three point two million dollars from USC Collective. USC doesn't even have a collective. I'm sure they will have one, and I'm sure Jordan Addison made so, like several, you know, hundreds of thousands and maybe over a million. Maybe maybe he ended up getting, I don't know, somewhere close to that. Jordan Addison didn't get three point two million dollars, and all of the so to make a a counterpoint to this. Like you could argue that USC is getting it worse because that all that stuff was proven to be false. And also, I didn't see Lincoln Riley come out and act like a total asshole and a defensive little <laughs> B word about like like Jimbo did. And I think that's that's the whole thing. I think is like when A and M fans came how with how defensive they got about this and how like how they thought the rest of the country was viewing them and why they couldn't have signed the number one like class and like it was so misguided and it was then led by the, your head coach who could not have looked worse with what he was doing. And they, and they loved it. They loved it. Well, I mean, if nothing else, I mean, he's fighting for his school. I mean, he's saying like, Hey, we haven't won yet because that's the other thing is as well. Um, you know, I saw where Paul Feinbaum brought this up and it's something that I brought up as well is that I almost feel like that this year, you know, I think that Jimbo might have a little bit still of a built-in excuse, um, you know, at the standpoint of, you know, young at, at certain key spots. That, yeah. but, but I think that in 23, it's going to kind of be – you can't make any more excuses. I mean, right. uh, I, I, get, I get what Trevor is asking oh, here. he will. He will. Well, but, but I mean, like, but I, I get what Trevor is asking here. And the only thing that I can kind of think of is that I think that there is at least a belief that college football is better when USC is great. 
And I think mm-hmm. that if there is any potential for that to be the case, then I don't know if it's outwardly going to be rooted for, but I don't think that it's necessarily going to be questioned if indeed SC is able to bounce back and able to be a national power once again. Um, so that's the only thing that I can really come up with there. I mean, you know, look, Jimbo has said ad nauseum that we didn't pay players. We, did, we didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, going even further to say that I've got proof that the mm. only one was one player who got an NIL deal. Um, Maybe so open I, with that instead of it, just it, saying it and then, and then going back to do the research. Right. I mean, the only other thing is, too, I mean, kind of with the whole like Jimbo and, and Saban thing, which I know you guys weighed in on it the day of, is it's kind of like with, with Jimbo then start spilling the beans. I mean, does that implicate you if you start spilling the beans right. or, or what? I mean, cause it was, it was kind of like, you know, like he almost got up to the edge of, I know a lot about this guy. Okay. Like, do you care to share? He was up about, he was upset about Saban saying things that were speculation. Right. And like, and then making assumptions and all this other stuff. And, and I'm not saying that Jimbo was making assumptions, but what he ended up doing for the next 10 to 15 minutes was make nothing but accusations and that were speculative about safe. Like, like he should I have guarantee you, he knows like he can give like an actual evidential, like facts to the NCAA about saving paying for recruit at some point guaranteed. And I'm like, as much of, you know, people think I'm a Bama Homer. There's no doubt in my mind that they have been paying for players in certain ways, like I don't think the Dodge Charger thing is is that answer, but like there's no doubt in my mind he's probably done something you know illegal or like against NCAA rules it, without a doubt. I just thought it was bizarre and like the lack of self awareness from Jimbo, like to to make all these like like get upset about it and in the same breath start doing exactly what he was mad about. It was just funny, and but still Saban should have never brought up either of those two teams, and he was he was in the wrong for doing that. Well, but also, though, too, and, and I truly believe this, that there's always a reason for Nick Saban to make comments, yeah. right? Like, I think he very rarely has to clarify things, and he had to do that the following day. But also, too, as well, there was an intent. I think he was speaking to his own, like, big money donors and mm-hmm. for people he out was. there and saying, like, shit, guys, like, you know, this is what's going to be required of us if we're going to keep doing what we're doing is yeah. that we've got to be in this space. We've got to be able to spend some kind of like what Ryan Day talked about. I think that probably he took a less measured approach than Ryan Day did. But mm-hmm. remember, too, who Ryan Day was talking to when he said, hey, we want to keep Ohio State, Ohio State. we got to be able to pony up $13 million and be able to keep things going that way. Well, like last thing, too, like that's it's an unfair part about, um, about the saving thing is that we constantly make that – excuse for him he has that built-in excuse Saban wouldn't have done this if, if he didn't know what he was doing we don't know that and it's also kind of unfair to say that like you know maybe Jimbo didn't know what he was doing um hard to be self-aware as a leader of a southern cult not a strong track record there. that's good all right next question Tyler <laughs> all right um let's see uh from Twitter this is from Lillian when those couples that share a Facebook page break up who gets custody of the Facebook page <laughs> Uh, this doesn't need to be on the pod, but like I, I need to know. <laughs> Mostly because these people seem nuts, and that custody battle seems fucking wild. Joint I gotta tell you, you cannot joint. trust anybody. I, you know what this means? I, I think if you have a, a couple's Facebook page, one of the couple, either the husband or the wife, most likely the wife, does not trust 
Yes. The other spouse. I will say that I don't know who gets everything with the Facebook. I will say I would just assume, just just my assumption, all of the photo galleries of the dogs probably go to the woman. Just just for my my (laughs) assumption. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um. Yeah. uh, Joint accounts. I mean, I think the only joint account that I plan on ever having is a joint bank account. Um. But yeah, uh, the email. Um. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of, like, with the email, is maybe not have like Jim and Barbara one one at yeah. Like you know, like like maybe like come up with like a creative name, and that way you can sell like. No, it's my email. Just send it to me. And then if Barbara gives out the same email and it's, hey, wait a minute, Jim, you know, it's like, all right, well, hey, you know, let's just be honest here. We both have similar friends and our bills and everything kind of come to this one. So I, I get that. But the Facebook, though, I don't know. I mean, I, I think just put it under her name. Well, I, save I, face and don't say it's a joint account. Just say uh, it's whatever Karen's name. Or, or even just like say, hey, it's not even worth like the trouble of going through this now. I'll just yeah. drop my Facebook. Like if it's Let's really just get that divorced. big of a deal, just drop the Facebook. Uh, uh, Michael Luker on Twitter said, "How was New Orleans?" That's the last question we're going with. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was fun. It was good. It was a good time. I. I will good like. Question. I think we stayed at a really awesome hotel. Liz killed it with like like she planned the whole thing. Um, and better than the Hamptons. Oh my God. Yeah. We're not going to get into that. She, that was, that was a tough trip for her. Um, I hate, I mean, like, it's like, it's like so much you put into like, like, cause the Hampton sounds so great. And she just did not have a good experience up there. Um, but like new Orleans is always a good time. I think like, honestly, I had more fun in Baton Rouge, maybe just cause I got to see Mickey and Emily and all that kind of stuff. And, um, it, you know, it was great. I, like, but it was, it was a really fun trip. New Orleans was, was awesome. Like bourbon street was bourbon street. Um, the only thing that was kind of disappointing was like, I built up, Antoine's as like the big last last meal we were going on um and that was not great <laughs> so uh my, anything that i planned was not not the best um probably learned that lesson um but yeah it was a lot of fun so all right last one here after jimbo and curb you finally broke the curse who is oh, the yeah, next fuck. saban disciple to beat bama this is from thomas burton I mean, Thomas Burton I, sounds like one of the kids from the Patriot. It sounds like one of the names from one of the, the sons in the movie, the Patriot avenge, avenge Gabriel's death. Um, uh, yeah. Who, who didn't love it when Colonel Tavington got it at the end in uh, the Patriot, I jumped up in the theater. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I guess. Kiffin. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you would say you would possibly say Napier, but I feel like they're a lot further away. Yeah, and fewer mm-hmm. chances. And Sark. Yeah, that that would probably be mine. Yeah. This year, I, I just I don't think that defense is going to be really good. That defense is going to be really, really, really good. I just don't know. Like, I mean, I, you've seen Sarkeesian's offense. They're like he. I just I have a feeling that. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I'm way off base here. I just, the way that offensive line is built, they should be able to hang with a team like Texas. But I think that kind of offensive mind, I don't think, I don't think Kiffin has the horses this year. Like, I don't think Kiffin has enough talent on that roster right. to beat, to beat Bama. I think Texas could. I think Texas could have the best offense in the country. Well, and it's also going to be the second week of the season, a right. 11 o'clock central noon kick. 
So it's going to be surface of the sun, a million degrees inside that stadium that day. So if you're going, uh, plenty of hydration because right. it's going to be unreal. I've been in that stadium when it's so hot and yeah. it is, I mean, it's good for losing weight, which probably I should be in that stadium a lot more, but, um, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I mean, I, 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 I am still, I am, I am still trying to find my way to Austin for that game. Yeah. I think we're going to be able to figure something out. We're going to, us are going to come up with a plan. We're going to be there. Um, but like, you also look at Bama on the road, like look at last season. And I won't even say the year before in the COVID year because of obvious reasons. And also the fact that like last year, that offensive line, and you haven't seen that many changes to the names on that offensive line, except for like Evan Neal, who was a top 10 draft pick, right? Like, which is, you, you lost that, which is not good. Um, you look at how they, they, sh- they probably should have lost at Florida. They did lose at a and I, I mean, like they should have lost at Auburn. They were not a good road team last year. And for whatever reason that is, I don't know, but like they, there were several cases last year where they could have, or did lose um, on the road. So. Uh, last question. This is just for me personally. Um, we're now entering into super regionals and Auburn goes out to Oregon state for a much ballyhooed matchup. Two of Chris's favorite programs. Chris, who you got in that matchup? Where are you going to tune in? Are you, you going to be tuning into this? Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> um, Dan, if you clip this, I'll fucking kill you. Let one of the audience members do it, but war Eagle. So there's that. Ooh, no, love that. no, no drops. No, uh, no production just yet. Yeah, no, uh, huge Butch, uh, Butch Thompson guy. Uh, I hope they go out there, uh, especially to remember Mitch Canham, who was the catcher at Oregon state when they won those two national titles. And he made that corny rap. O state ballers. Yes. We ball. Yeah. Yeah. They had that during their, uh, their, their national championship run. And they beat my brother's alma mater who's still in it. So even though, my LSU Tigers got uh, knocked out today. Uh, shout out to uh, Southern Miss. Good series by them. Good job by them. Go on and beat Ole Miss. Um, shout out to uh, North Carolina, Scott Forbes, who got thrown out the other day and then got the two fingers put up for two-game suspension, and they still came back and beat VCU. So he recruited wow. my brother. We're, uh, we're, we're still big Tar Heels in uh, my family, so uh, go Heels. Nice. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it. This was our first attempt at streaming live. I think we did a good job. Um, we'll be bringing more we content. <laughs> we'll be bringing more content live to you. This will obviously be available in podcast form as soon as producer Dan does his thing. Go follow us on Twitter. I think on Instagram. I don't know if that's still a thing. Uh, at CFB underscore uncensored. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in. And for Dan and Chris Marler, I'm Tyler Hug. See you guys next time.